here comes a new challenger. From 8-bit to 35mm, game pads to the silver screen, your favorite video game characters are on a quest to become movie icons. Can they unlock the achievement? Let's go for broke! It's time to press X to reload. Oh my god. Hey, the only thing keeping me and her apart are the two minutes it's gonna take to kick your ass. You dated a famous guy? In ninth grade, we had drama. Actually, it might have been math. I just remember there being a lot of drama. Hey! He was a snot-nosed little brat. He just followed me around. He had snot in his nose? But he's famous. Hey, I'm talking to you, Scott Pilgrim. He's famous and he talked to me. The only thing keeping me and her apart is the two minutes it's gonna take to kick your ass. Can I have your, can I have your autograph, please? What's up? How's life? He seems nice. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Press X to Reload, where we plug in the guitar to the jack and fire off with all the best video game adaptations we can and rock the crowd. In this case, looking at, uh, similar to we did before, video game-ish kind of films, ones that are related but not directly inspired by video games. Uh, we're picking up with one of my personal favorites. Uh, it is an excellent made film by Edgar Wright, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, made in, God, 2010, I think. Joining me as always are Wayne Brissett and Mark Athanis. Gentlemen. Good day, everyone. Good afternoon, good morning, and good night. <laughs> and joining us for the first time, and depending on how uh, how he likes us, maybe the only time, Chris Nezwick. Chris, welcome to the group. Thanks for having me. Happy to have one more person watch these films with us and try and find the bright side in them. He got a good movie. Now, Chris requested to be a part of this, because I understand Chris is a, a pretty big fan of the Scott Pilgrim uh, film. Chris, what draws you to this film? What do we love about it? Well... It's almost impossible to talk about the movie without the associated media. Okay. So it's based on the comic, the graphic novels. Uh, it's based, or there's a beat-em-up um, most infamously associated with it that was delisted from all the digital storefronts. But make a long story short, it's just a great, great movie. Mm -hmm. It really is. It's funny, we... We tend to find joy in these films, and people can say we have bad taste in films or what have you. This is at 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. This is a good film by anybody's standard, but it also has so many little touches that would be video game things to us, like some of the music and the sound cues and the visual gags that I don't know if the audience gets, but gamers like us, oh my good God. I, as you know, I try and take notes because my memory is garbage, especially with character names. I gave up. <laughs> I, I got halfway through and there's just too many things to write down and Parker's watching it with me and I, I can't keep pausing it on him. He's never seen it before, but this movie... I've seen it like eight times and I keep catching things I haven't seen before. But Wayne, how is this film for you? When's the last time you saw this? Uh, this is the first time I've seen it. Wow. You're kidding. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's the first time I've ever seen this movie. Okay. So your opinion matters here. I, I know of Scott. Like, I knew oh. of Scott Pilgrim, especially obviously talking with Chris a lot, his love of the game. You know what? It's a pretty damn solid flick. Next to Ace Attorney, it's probably of all the movies we watched the most video game ish. Oh yeah, uh, film for sure. It's a close race. Like everything about it screams video game. And had I not seen Ace Attorney, this one would be right at top. But Ace Attorney just oh, yeah. blew my mind. 
yeah, no, it's a pretty solid flick. It's entertaining. It's fun. It's directed well. Uh, I would think my only, and this is a slight, <sighs> my only my slight complaint is that I felt it was a little too long in some areas. Okay. By the time you understand really what the show is about, I think they start spending too much time outside of those key moments. And I was like, that's a little longer than maybe it needs to be. But I take that with a grain of salt. Like, it's that would be the only complaint I have. But other than that, it's a solid flick. It was pretty pretty entertaining. I can see where you're coming from. To me, the only part that really, I don't want to say drags, but is slower paced than the rest of the film, the first 20 to yeah. 30 minutes where it's building up kind of the relationships of the characters Agreed. before it has its first, like, official fight, you'd almost think it's just a normal film. Almost. Yeah. It's got, like, it's got some of Edgar Wright's kind of visual gags and his sharp cuts that he does and the the banter but it doesn't feel like a true video game film until until the patel fight until and then first it's just, level <laughs> and then it just gives up on all pretense of trying to be real and it's so amazing for it mark you've seen it before like i have yeah it's like coming back you know um it's one of those movies where it for whatever reason kind of slips my mind until someone mentions it about how fantastic it is and watching it again was just another reminder of just how utterly fantastic of a movie it is. And almost moving away from the video game and the comic book era, it's a surprisingly deep movie, which I got out of it more this time in terms of some of its themes, like Scott's magic school. <laughs> so the, the main protagonist <laughs> yes, is. is not someone you're actually rooting for. Um, he's selfish. He's self-centered. And so much of his journey is almost acknowledging that. But when you pay attention to the movie, like his friend group, they don't like him. Like there's no one (laughs) that actually likes him except for Knives and eventually Ramona. And even she calls him an asshole. So it's an interesting journey about how his selfishness is actually deeply affecting people, but also about like toxic relationships in general, because so many of the relationships in this are so toxic. And then you put aside the, the deeper meeting. And when you get to the fluff stuff, it's great. Like the video gaming moments are fantastic and shockingly good choreograph, um, which looks like Sarah is doing his own stunt work, at least a little bit of it. Cause he's great in it. And maybe no other character can be a lovable asshole as much as Michael Sarah. So there you go. <laughs> so that's one thing I wanted to ask you guys about. Because I've watched a lot of martial arts films, and I want to make the case that for the year it came out, it might be the best martial arts film they released that year. Yeah. That year? Chris, as a fan of it, and I know you're a fan of martial arts films as well, what are some things that stood out to you in terms of some of the choreography? Like, what's a favorite fight? What was something that, like, really jumped out at you about this film? I Well, the, the choreography, I would agree. I would agree. I think it is the best uh, martial arts movie released that year. Uh, to, to Mark's point, um, Sarah did do really? a lot of the fight choreography. Oh, yeah. or the, the, it's gotta the, be here. The, he did most of the choreography, yeah. Absolutely. Or he performed most of the choreography is what I'm trying to spit out. I, I In terms of, Nick, what you're saying, the, the, my favorite fight, yeah. I love the Chris Evans. I'm, I'm probably jumping ahead here, <laughs> but just, just for the okay. fight. We do that. But I would have yeah, to agree with That's you. my favorite one. Yeah. <laughs> Right, just that from from the the intro when he comes out of his trailer to the universal theme music and cracks his neck to, to the the, dun, the dun. first drum hit, <laughs> yeah, so like good. I I just 
that grabbed me and then just right from there it, it that turned into it's all his stunt doubles yeah just the fact that like what mark said the first the first 20 minutes of the movie or, or, or nick i believe you were saying yeah. is is set up but the premise of the movie that in order to date a girl he has to defeat her seven evil exes <laughs> i just that is i don't understand it but i love it so but it much i can make know. a beat em up into a movie yes even though it's not based on a beat em up a beat em up ended up being based on it but you could we could get oh wait they did try it that with double dragon, double dragon didn't need to be a post-apocalyptic story it could have just <laughs> been double dragon just needed to be a my Scott girlfriend and i have to fight some dudes it could have <laughs> yeah. been yeah yeah nick nick you met corinne and uh in order to date her there, there's seven of them out there some might be twins <laughs> some might be experimental from college i'll have you know my wife is salvation army when i started dating her so i was worried i'd face an entire army <laughs> So seven wouldn't have been so bad. Right. I would play that video game adaptation. <laughs> yes. Might be a little blasphemous. I don't know. Nick versus the Salvation Army. <laughs> okay. We're going straight to hell. Yeah. <laughs> might not be the first time or the last. That sounds more like a Dynasty Warriors game. <laughs> I'd, I'd still play it. Yes, I'd still play it. Play the hell out but of yeah, no, that, that's that's my pick. That Before I send it over, that that's my pick, is the, the Chris Evans. Amongst other things, um, that's, all, like Nick said earlier, is beautifully shot. Some shots extremely artfully done, actually, oh, yeah. too. Some of the, the silhouette shots, like when they're on the swings, mm-hmm. and it's just the almost the monochromatic. But uh, but anyway, so my, my pick is the uh, Chris Evans... The fight uh, at Casaloma in Toronto. Yes. Well, and again, most of it is Canadian, right? Like, this is a very yeah. Canadian film. Yeah. Casaloma, they're eating at Pizza Pizza. I think the record store is Sam Rucker, man. Yeah. He's wearing a CBC yeah. shirt. Like yeah. Honest Ed's was there, too, I think, at some point in the yeah, background. It's very, it's very Canadian. And it's a bit of a love letter, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a Canadian film in the sense of I don't think our budget's the one that paid for it, because a lot of Canadian films work off of a budget I could find in my in my pant pocket. But it is a love letter to Canada, mm. which is kind of awesome. Yeah. Well specifically or to budget Toronto. if you beat Matthew Patel. <laughs> <laughs> and Right, I think he got a dollar twenty five for beating Matthew yeah, Patel at the start. So Yeah. <laughs> I think it was a loony. It was no it was uh like, two twenty five. Two twenty five, not even enough to ride <laughs> the bus. That's right. That's right. And it was all loonies and toonies. It was all loonies and toonies. I loved it. That's right. But yeah, such a simple concept. Boy meets girl. He falls for her. He's dating someone else because he's, you know, rebounding from a bad breakup. And then this wild, fantastical video game element of defeat my seven evil exes. And I love that each one has its own shtick because in video games, it's always, you know, here's your fire level and your water level. So you have, you know, Matthew Patel, who he fights first who's, you know, firing fireballs and levitating up the ground, and he's got his demon hipster chicks, and they're they're having their fight. Yeah. And then Chris Evans has his stunt double team, and he's your action Hollywood star. Every one of them feels like a level unto itself, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. And mm-hmm. speaking to yep. Edgar Wright and his absurdly detailed level of filmmaking, because this is a truly great filmmaker who's decided to make a video game film. And I think we'd all agree there's a difference between an Uwe Boll-made video game film... <laughs> Because we've seen it, where he yep. made it in six days, and God bless him, he can make three movies at once. And Edgar Wright, where everything is so meticulously crafted in terms of the shots that you really do have to see one of his films, whether it be this or Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz or what have you, you have to see it multiple times to catch everything. Yeah, well, that's like, pretty immersive. It's yes. absurd. Yeah. One of my favorite yeah. gags in this, and it's 
it's a really cool way they're doing it when they're going to go do this first Battle of the Bands, the Toronto Battle of the Bands, and Clash of Demon Head is on there, and they're pounding away on their guitars, and now the lead man of Sex Bomb, Michael Sarah's Scott Pilgrim's, sorry, the band that he's in, the lead guy is freaking out, and he's running around yelling, and it's subtitling everything underneath him because the band they're facing is so loud and brutal you can't hear them. <laughs> yes. And he's yes. speaking English. You should be able to hear him, but he's making the point of, no, 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 we're not going to do what they do in other films where we'll just make them a little bit quiet because they're backstage. No, no, no. It's just as loud for them. It's scaring <laughs> the crap out of him. And you've got subtitles. The audience can see him going, I'm freaking out, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. You know? I like that. But Mark, your favorite fight? Honestly, it's the same one. Ah. It's it's the start <laughs> of it. I just love that he. He looks like he's he's in the scene, and it's just how excited Scott is when it starts. Like, oh my god, he you dated someone famous? Oh my god, he's pointing at me. And then it's a punch <laughs> in the face, and he like throws him into the castle. And it's just again from that point more. He throws more him like hundred feet. He throws him like hundred feet out and up. And then again, from that moment on, it's just so over the top, but it's actually the choreography there. I love that way that fight starts because they each, each of the stuntmen have a skateboard and it's Michael Sarah backing up, blocking and smashing the skateboard and he's surrounded and he's just, it's also, he's moving so quickly between, and it's not cutting. It's no. It's, it's it's just all one fluid long take of him moving, ducking, bobbing, weaving, and uh, I thought it was fantastic. And then I, again, I love the when he calls him back to set because he's like, "Oh, you guys want uh, you guys want a coffee?" Uh, no, no, I'm good. Okay, and he's you never know what he laughs at. He looks at his phone, laughs, and just keeps <laughs> walking, and they That's never explain hilarious. it. <laughs> yeah, it's actually hilarious, <laughs> and they just never explain it, and it's fantastic. It's there. There's so many wonderful little moments in it. My second favorite fight would be near the end when he, you know, discovers the power of love and pulls the sword out of his chest and starts. <laughs> oh like, yeah, going through the henchmen for two reasons. One, when you can clearly see Michael Sarah's face again, he's moving well. It's fast. It's all one fluid take. And when it's getting a little bit over the top in terms of moves. They do a really cool creative choice. They go to a, a sort of a top-down view. So you just see the top of his head. Yeah. So they can put the stuntman in and let the stuntman go crazy. But it doesn't break the illusion of Michael Sarah fighting because when it does cut back to him, he seems competent. I um, I, I, gotta lo- I love this movie. No, absolutely yeah. excellent fights. And again, it comes down to a good fight isn't just get a good fighter in there. Because I... If Michael Sarah did it, and I believe you, that's amazing, but I don't believe he's an amazing martial artist before coming into this film. But I can believe they took the time to make sure to choreograph it, to block it out properly, to film it in such a way that afterwards, it's believable. And that's what a lot of action films, frankly, are missing, is they just rush through it and go, ah, we'll we'll crank this out in a day. I'm willing to bet they probably spent a couple of weeks on each fight to make it look solid, right? Because it, it looks like he's really fighting in the... I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't associate Michael Sarah with no. top-level fighter. No. no. No, not at all. I do now. And in all fairness, <laughs> none of the characters in this film associate him with that either until they see him fight. How surprised is everyone in the crowd when Matthew Patel runs at him and he leaps in the air and uppercuts him? Mm-hmm. No one has ever seen this from him before. Ever. Yeah. No, I love it. His, the look on his sister's face is fantastic. <laughs> and pausing for a moment... And I understand this was made years ago. The cast of this movie is insane. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like, 
Yes. You know, Mary Elizabeth Winesay, Chris Evans, uh, Michael Sarah. He fights Anna, Captain America. <laughs> and like wins. Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick. Uh, like Allison Pill. Captain and, Marvel's um, his ex. And, and it's and Brie Larson and Brandon Routh and like a yeah he fights Superman and Captain America I, yeah I completely Brandon Routh forgot about this even even uh, Culkin even Kieran Culkin yes yeah. Kieran Culkin like he's stacked, stacked cast yeah. Kieran Culkin as Wallace he's maybe my favorite character in this film yeah he is <laughs> consistently amazing just the hey hey it's that one guy. <laughs> 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 yes. Yeah. Going way back to the beginning, and I only pointed out because, as I've mentioned numerous times to you guys, I am a sucker for them incorporating the logo of the film in some way. Mm-hmm. This is the best Universal opening I've ever seen. Yeah, Eight bit Universal yep. looking world. The eight bit chip tune theme of the Universal theme. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's yep. just you know exactly what kind of film you should be getting into, and then as soon as that's done, it's the doo 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 from Zelda. Like it's yeah. just oh yeah. my god, the music yes. choices in this are at stake. Yes, can I just say Mark? Mark picked his second fight. Can I say my second fight? Hundred really percent. Yeah, go ahead. Was um, Nega Scott? Mm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that was a good subversion. I liked that. Yeah, yeah. I was expecting a, a big drawn out battle. So, yeah. and again, for the audience who hasn't seen this, and if you haven't, please, God, stop listening to us and watch this film. It's it's so good. But Scott fights the big bad at the end, Gideon, G-Man, whatever you want to call him. And he's, okay, you've defeated me, but, you know, can you defeat yourself? And he goes to fight Nega Scott, which is this evil, shadowy-looking version of Scott with red eyes. And he says to the rest of the group, no, 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 I got to do this myself. And then it just cuts to the two of them <laughs> walking out of the place, like... <laughs> Arm in arm, talking about <laughs> plans for like, brunch, French toast recipes, or something. <laughs> he's like, no, no, he's a cool dude. Yeah. You get to know him. We actually have a lot in common. <laughs> well, <laughs> but I think again, that's one of those things we're watching it. You know, for I don't even know how many times I've seen it now. Where I was like, it's like a deeper meaning because yes, of course he it thematically fits. Yeah, of course he associates with the dark side of himself because he's still an asshole. Like, he's not a nice guy at the end of the movie, really. He's still yeah. who he is. He's, he's just apologized for some of his bad behavior. But he hasn't, like, he hasn't done a 180. He's just apologized. No. He's acknowledged his wrongdoing. That's all he's really done. So when he meets the, the bad version of himself, yeah, of course, to get along, great. <laughs> still <laughs> likes himself. <laughs> he's turned a corner, I think. At the end of it, he, he takes the time to apologize to the band for basically sloughing them off every single chance he gets to be with Ramona. He admits to Ramona and Knives that he was never really broken up with Knives when he starts making it with Ramona, so he's kind of cheated on both. He apologizes to Kim for being just an absolute dick to her his whole life. That's a good start. If he continues to be a decent person after that, awesome. We don't see the rest of that. I'd like to assume he becomes mildly better. I mean, if you become self-respecting enough that a sword comes out of your chest, giving you the power of self-respect. Mm-hmm. What are the odds are going to be an asshole the next day? I mean, not the next day. You have to be a pretty decent person to have that. I've never had that sword come out of me. Now you're all going to tell me that I'm an asshole still, and that's fine. But when that yes. sword comes out, you better expect me to be a good dude. At least until I think the when weekend. that sword comes yeah. out, it'll come out of your yeah. ass. Or you go back to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Until Sunday what night. Your, uh, what are your favorite fights there, Wayne? Oh, I mean, it's easy to pick the Chris Evans one because it is such a damn good fight. I think the initial fight in the club 
is is absolutely hilarious, especially because yeah. that's the point in the film where, like Nick was mentioning, you know, it's a 20 minute kind of a slow start. That's you kind of driving through some side streets. And then when you get to the club, that's when we hit the freeway with this show and it just takes oh, off yeah. like out of nowhere. It's like, what the heck is going on here? And that's when the video game starts. So that's a pretty entertaining. But other than that, the Brandon Ruth, I thought the whole idea of <laughs> his power vegan being power. based on a vegan is just veganism. Vegans are just better than the rest of us. But just that uh, yes. the best part is that actually not even the fight itself, but just like at the end when they arrest <laughs> when they yes. realize he's been cheating. The vegan police. Vegan. And again, another cameo. Tom Jane comes into this movie. Like, yeah. What is going on? Oh yeah, yeah. the Punisher's a vegan apparently. <laughs> yeah. You better watch out. <laughs> but just is all white and just so powerful. Couldn't even touch him. <laughs> but that entire fight. Yeah, that. Th- Go ahead, Chris. That side shot where he's levitating yeah. Scott and his eyes are smoking oh, yeah. was in- just, that's just yeah. incredible. Yeah. Like goosebumps. They find goosebumps. a way to one, work out basically having a Super Saiyan in the middle of this movie because mm-hmm. he's basically yes. a Dragon Ball fighter he's fighting with Brandon Ruth. And then to have something different for each fight. It's a guitar fight halfway through that. Yeah. He can't oh, physically punch him. Yeah. So now they both strap on guitars and start having a jam session where everything's blowing around them and they're knocking each other back with it with guitars. Which is cool with that because that segues into the other boss fight with the twins. Which is my favorite Where it's fight. actually a, a guitar battle, right? Yes. Yeah, the band. The, uh, the Kadianagi the twins. Battle. That is my favorite fight. And not a punch is thrown, but the idea of amp versus amp, two bands playing at the same time. One, that's my favorite song out of it. Threshold's an awesome song. Mm. Uh, I believe, uh, mm. and God, I hope I don't get this wrong, but I think it's Beck writes almost all the songs for this, except for the one that Clash and Demonhead plays, which is written yes. by Metric. Which is, but that's Beck's my a good group song. to have them writing that song because they just happen to be friends with Edgar Wright. Yeah. That's awesome. But to have them playing that on stage and the Kadianagi twins have two twin dragons come flying out of their amps and start attacking them. And then when Scott and his band gets pissed and he hits the amp, a Yeti of all things <laughs> made of electricity comes out of their amps and it's a Godzilla King Kong fight. How awesome is that? Yeah. yeah. Like, and it's stunning to look at. This movie is absurd. It looks amazing. Oh, it, yeah. it looks amazing. I had the sound cranked up. I could feel the living room shaking. Crin will eventually forgive me for it. It's just... That's my favorite part of the film. Hands that, down, um, it is just out. The, oh, the metric so awesome. song that Brie Larson sings is a my favorite version of that song, <laughs> and B. Oh, Black Sheep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And B. Every time I hear it, it's stuck in my head. It's such a good song, and the entire music for this entire like when you were talking about the guitar riff, I loved some of those guitar riffs as him and Brown and Routh are going back and forth. Like I was like, it's just so weirdly catchy like you know there are times when the music isn't quite in sync so it almost seems like it's disruptive but then suddenly there's a bit of a harmony there and i'm like oh it sounds so amazing like the the movie's use of the music again obviously because they are a band is phenomenal the music's a living part of this film one of the best examples is that black sheep song when you've got ramona and scott pilgrim in the crowd and she goes, remember how I used to date a guy named Todd? Yeah. You can see him up on the, the stage and you hear Envy, his ex-girlfriend. Do <laughs> yeah. That, oh, yeah. And he goes, well, yeah. Which one do you, you know, who are you talking about? You see that guy up there? Oh, yeah. And he does that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Her song is intercutting yeah. with that conversation. Yeah. 
And then when they're actually playing the song, the bow, 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 bow of the actual bass going off, the camera shots are alternating between yeah. each character for each shot of that bass. That is beautiful yes. filmmaking. Mm. The only film mm-hmm. that Edgar Reed has done since that's incorporated music this well is Baby Driver. Yeah. yeah. This feels like his warm up for that. And it's not that that one's better. It just feels like the only two times he's really tried to weave the music in so that if you took the music away, you would legitimately lose something from the story. Like, it really adds to it. Yeah. Blown away by it. The really editing cool. in this movie is phenomenal. Like, I, I love those little jump cuts. Oh, yeah. Um, the scene transitions, like, everything, I thought. It just, it pulled me in. Like, for me, I know you guys say, like, the first 20 minutes are kind of slow, but, like, I get pulled in when he brings knives and then they perform for the first time. And it's just that like her getting blown <sighs> away. And then it just scrolls down to Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Like I'm pulled in from that moment on. I'm fully invested in the movie. And that awesome effect where she's sitting on the couch. She's about to hear them play. And the couch is maybe 10 feet away from them inside the living room with their band set up. And the second they start playing, the living room and the couch are now stretching further and further away from each other. To a point where, what is that living room, like 80 <laughs> feet long as the credits start playing over yeah, the floor? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's really yeah. cool. And then you have all of the animated backgrounds happening while the cast is going. And I'm not taking credit for half of the observations I'm about to make here. But when it's showing all of the different character names for like the actors, mm-hmm. like Chris Evans and all of them, symbols showing up relating yeah. to those characters are showing up in the graffiti in the background. Later on, when you meet each of the evil axes whichever number they are, whether it be one, two, three, four, whichever one, you'll see that number symbolized repeatedly. Brandon Ruth is X number three. He's wearing a Punisher shirt that's got the three teeth for the skull. He's wearing a number three when he goes out to fight Scott Pilgrim. Everything is intentional in the best possible way in this. It's borderline pretentious, but it's really well done. Yeah. So it's it's mm-hmm. perfectly acceptable. It's weird that this movie bombed on release. Uh, you know it's what? It's really weird. I'm not shocked by that because... I don't know how you market this movie because it's almost a little bit too highbrow with a lowbrow concept because what is it? Is it a love story? Is it a action movie? Is it a comedy? Like it, and the answer is yes to all of those things. And it's almost too much, but it's one of those movies that is such a gem because the more, again, the more you watch it, the more things you find, the more you get out of it, which is why I'm mostly curious. Like, with Wayne because like he never saw this movie. So it's cool that like, it's been such a long time since I've, I've been a first time viewer of this movie. So it's kind of nice to hear a first time viewer's opinion again, because it, I think, you know, the rest of us have, have seen it multiple times. No, very true. So I don't want to get bogged down by a bunch of tiny little things on it. So Wayne, again, being the first time that you've seen it, if you were going to name, not the best fight necessarily, but like the top three things that you walked away from in terms of, favorite moments or things that you might appreciate? What are three things that stuck with you in this? Uh, Kind of what I reflected at the beginning. It's such a well-directed film. Visually, it's stunning. The main thing I take away from it is how much it feels like a video game as a movie, right? And it shows that you can take a beat-em-up, not like Double Dragon, and (laughs) screw it up. You can actually take any type of video game and just have fun with it. You know what I mean? doesn't always have to be serious or the best epic cinematic film it can just be over the top fun and be like a video game like i said it's one of the better video game movies i've seen without being based on a video game that's one of my biggest takes from that uh like i said the martial arts are all good on it the acting is great the cast is great there's a lot of good takeaways from it even when i do my slight complaint about some 
things being a little long. I think that's because having seen it for the first time now, what, 10, 11 years after its release, sure. but knowing about the film, knowing it's about, it's like video game-ish and then he fights the bosses. I think I was anticipating it more to move faster and just be boss, 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 where it was like, oh, oh there's okay. a lot more story here than I was expecting. So I think that's what maybe indirectly slowed it down for me. Does that make sense? Totally. Totally. It does. And I think that if they didn't have as much of that, it would move faster. Fine. But I also feel like it would feel kind of hollow. I agree. I'm sure, like I said, take it with a grain of salt. When I, it just, sure. when I first saw it, I was like, oh, it's a little longer than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, it's about an hour and 50 minutes. So it's not short. It's, no. Even by video game movie standards, it's, it's about 20 to 30 minutes longer than most of the ones that we watch. Right. But I will argue that it felt 40 minutes shorter than most of the ones that we watch. <laughs> Absolutely. Because... Felt an hour and a oh half boy. shorter. <laughs> this one moves at a good pace. And it, it's funny you mentioned that, you know, it's it's a very video gamey film. It's one thing to be like, hey, they had a boss fight. And video games have boss fights. At one point when he goes to take a piss, it has a pee bar. Yes. Yeah. And he pees <clears throat> and it empties. And there is no yes. relevance to the plot. Yeah. They do random things like There's that. There's no reason for it. It doesn't come up later. I think that's just to remind you the world you're in. You know, like, right. this is... Even when there's no bosses going on, this crazy video game stuff is still going on. Yeah. The thing I always wonder is, is that the way that the world is or is it the way that he sees the world? Because, for example, later on when he runs into, uh, what was her name, Julia, the one who is cursing, but it's like not just censoring what she says. But it's actually like putting a black bar yes. in front of her mouth. Like, how, you, how are you doing that with yeah. your mouth? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's don't you be yeah. mind about my mouth. <laughs> Does that mean everyone can see that kind of thing? Like, yeah. should they really be that surprised when he leaps 50 feet off the, the ground and does like an uppercut to someone and they both land? Yeah. Or the fact that people are flying 80, 100 feet across the room <laughs> landing. And despite all of his claims that I feel like I'm going to die, he doesn't seem to be capable of death until the end. <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. It's really weird because you can't tell what kind of a world they're living in. It's almost like they see everything normally in that world, but we're hearing somebody tell a story, a super exaggerated story. Maybe. You know, I mean, everything's normal. We go to the club, but then this guy just flies out of nowhere, starts <laughs> fighting, and, you know, they just – it's an exaggerated story. But in their world, everything's normally yeah, It's happening. like a folk, a folk tale. It's a Canadian folk tale. There you go. It's just an average night in Toronto. A Canadian modern day folk tale. Toronto. It should have been sung about by the tragically hip. The one scene that made me think that that's the way the world is is when Knives comes to see Scott. She like just shows up at the door, and uh, Wallace answers <gasps> the door, and it's just the oh, I just stepped out, amazing. and it goes busting through the window. Really, that his hand reaches in and <laughs> grabs the jacket. Really, and then he walks behind her. That <laughs> and he flies out that window, so awesome. and they're in like that a lower, like basementy apartment. <laughs> so the window he goes through is like a basement size window. It's, high. it's a high, narrow, it's high up, it's small, yeah. <laughs> and like it's just above head level. Scene, and he launches himself through it like a that missile. Scene, and the way Wallace <laughs> yep. reacts makes me think the world is like. That. <laughs> <laughs> out of curiosity, since this is such a video gamey type movie, and I know I know the answer for Chris, but have Nick or Mark, have either of you played the video game? No, no, oh, I haven't. Yeah. Okay. I haven't. So the video game Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is very much in the vein of not just Double Dragon, but like River City Ransom. Especially really awesome yes. beat 'em up. 
well put together. I know it got delisted, but it very recently just came back yeah. to, I think, at least Steam, maybe PS4. PS4 it's 100% yeah. worth playing. Everything. It's fairly tough, but it's, like, it's doable. But it's one of the few that actually has, like, leveling up, and you can, like River City Ransom, you can level up your stats by buying items and food and, and that kind of jazz. Parker had played the game back on my PS3. He'd never seen the film, so he did this in the reverse order. <laughs> I've seen the film, I've played the game, the only thing I haven't done is read the, the comic book. I've never read that. I know the comic book diverges from this near the end, because while they... Was it Brendan O'Malley? I can never... I know last name is O'Malley. Brian Lee. Thank, Brian Lee. Thank you. I wasn't even close. Uh, <laughs> but be. <laughs> I had the, some of the letters of the alphabet in there. I'm terrible with names. A we BR, even. <laughs> but while he was in the midst of writing this... It got picked up and Edgar Wright started making it. So I guess the endings apparently are a little bit different, which mm. is interesting. Mm -hmm. But I like most of the ending for this because I like that you start with Scott Pilgrim. As you said, he's not really a, a great guy. He's self-centered. He's selfish. He doesn't really think of anyone other mm. than himself. But he also isn't really that healthy towards himself. He avoids confrontation. He refuses to grow up. I love the gag of when Knives is walking with him. And he goes, okay, this is my place. I have to go in now. Oh, can I come with you? No, no, but I can show you where I grew up. And turns around and across the street is his old house. His idea of growing yeah. up and moving out is to literally move across the street. Yeah. yeah, good point. So to have him kind of get out of his comfort zone and not just chase after the girl, because, I mean, all of these stories have, you know, chasing after the girl, but to try and make some kind of amends with the, the people he's been a bit of a dick to and to be a little bit nicer to himself by the end of it that's really cool. Like, like I like the idea that self-respect mattered more than love yes. in this film. I yeah. thought that was kind yeah, of cool. I like that too. The only thing mm -hmm. that I'm still mm -hmm. to this day, having seen it a dozen times, I'm still torn on. I don't know if I entirely buy him going off with Ramona. She represents some idealized version of love. He really does seem to get along better with Knives Chow. Yeah. And the best example of it is near the beginning, they're playing that Dance Dance Revolution ninja fighting game mm -hmm. where you have to like move in tandem and do all these moves. And all of their conversations yeah. seem to be about more than just, oh, I want to make out with you because that's all he talks about with Ramona is, hey, can we kiss now? They have conversations about just stuff and get along with each other. And then at the end, when they fight Gideon, Ramona gets knocked down and it's him and Knives that yeah. team up together and... Everything down to the actual bars and like the good and all like the combo and all that stuff from that original game come up while they're fighting him. Yeah. If I was going to argue about soulmates, I'd say those two are soulmates. That's funny you said so that it's because weird to me that that they like he leaves her for Ramona at the end. It's odd. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Even because I never saw weird. the film before, so I actually thought that's what they were doing. That she was only in his life really to show him what he had. You know what I mean? Right. And that he was going to go back and to help to him her. grow so up. The fact that he chased her, I was like, oh, okay, I didn't see that coming. Mm. It was, and again, I mean, it's not that there's anything wrong with her. It's just, if it's going to be about self-respect, then why is he chasing this idealized, you don't even really know this person version of love? Yeah. It was, it was odd to me. And again, not a huge complaint, but I know that they're divided enough about it because they have more than one ending and the alternate one is him leaving with Knives Chow. So yeah. I know the filmmakers you know, considered it's interesting it. interesting you say that. We need us. Go ahead, Chris. Well, I was just going to say, we need we need uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World 2, The Revenge. <laughs> like Double Dragon 2. <laughs> the Revenge. Double Dragon for Wayne would be a revenge. Yeah. Don't use that term. Oh, Christ. Bimmy and Jimmy sorry. versus the World. Sorry. Yeah, okay, you know, it's funny. Um, I honestly didn't look at it that way, so it's really interesting you said that. 
I looked at it almost based off more of what Knives said. Like I felt again because so much of the, the, the movies about unhealthy relationships. Knives has an unhealthy relationship with Scott. That's not just about how Scott treats her. She's like fangirling over him the entire time, and at the end, he's trying to stay with her, and she's she's almost outgrown him. She's like, no, I'm too cool for you. So it's almost more for me in the end about like knives growing beyond Scott and then Scott and Ramona working because they've both never been in a healthy relationship and they're the best chance maybe to recognize finding one. Like they kind of maybe recognize within each other they can find one. Um, because again, even with knives, it's not healthy. Sure. Scott is nice to her in the beginning because she adores him. Like literally, right. he's like, don't embarrass me when you come into the house. Like that's, that's how the relationship starts. So, so yeah, anyway, it's interesting. You said it. I never, I never looked at it that way. All right. So it sounds like we all enjoy the film quite a bit. I mean, we're, we're kind of gushing about it and we can go on about all sorts of other things. I have a couple of pages of all kinds of things that we have missed. It is a a gorgeous Mm -hmm. film, but we will bring it to a close with any final thoughts from you guys about anything that, that we did miss that you really want to touch on. We'll start with Wayne. It being, your first time going, you can be the first one to comment. Is there anything that we've missed here that was worth mentioning to the crowd? Well, I mean, there's tons, actually, we missed. But I think it's funny that this is probably the first episode where we didn't even attempt to talk about the film in order. That we've literally just been jumping all over the place without an even attempt. <laughs> and it kind of representative of the film itself. It's just so chaotic and fast moving. Sure. Uh, just kind of like our, our little podcast here. Other than that, I would highly recommend the film to anybody who was even remotely interested in, in video games and movies because it, it just the two of them blend so nicely together in this film. Well acted, well directed, good music, good choreography. It's all there. That's what most movies dream to be. So that's my final thoughts. Oh, absolutely. And I agree with you. I know uh, you guys saw before when I was going over like my 10 favorite films of the the past decade, one per year. This was my pick for 2010. This film is just solid through and through. I know, as you said, we kind of bounced around on it, but the basic plot is very basic. Mm-hmm. She's got seven evil exes. Let's fight them. I know we keep saying seven even exes instead of ex-boyfriends. Watch the film. It's a good gag. Mm-hmm. But the little details are the part that make this good. You could have a a less competent cast and and director and try to do this story and fail because they would have had the the basic elements, but it it wouldn't have had those smart. Paul Anderson, <laughs> you watch your mouth. We'll get to more of his. Ah, Resident Evil is passable, but imagine Edgar Wright doing Resident Evil. It would have been something special, Absolutely. right? Mark, what about yourself? You know what? I think the big thing for me that I don't think we talked a lot about is the humor. I thought the writing, the humor, like this movie makes me smile and I enjoy it. And I still laugh like at all the gags over and over and over again. Wallace is a scene stealer. But, you know, my, my low key scene stealer is Allison Pill <laughs> on the drums. Just oh, Kim. she is so sarcastic. It is amazing. And it's awesome because, again, all hats off, Michael Sarah really carries this. There's a scene where I, I can't remember what exactly they say to him, but it's not a compliment. And he is so self-absorbed. He's like, gee, thanks. Like, he's just so. <laughs> they ask where Knives Chow is. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we broke up. She's not around anymore. At least I think she knows it's over. And Kim goes, you're the salt of the earth. He goes, oh, thanks. Oh, wait, no, I got that wrong. You're the scum of the earth. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> he's so self-absorbed. He's so self-absorbed. He doesn't even hear it. 
so the humor in it, the again, like you said, the actors, the humor, I thought, like, you know what, you're probably right. This film might be one of the most perfectly casted films I've ever seen. And it, they, it really it really shows in the final product. I, too, I would recommend this. You don't have to be a video game fan. You just have to be in the mood for fun. It's a, it's a fun movie. Now, Chris, you dared to join us because you're a fan of this film, so I'm willing to bet your final thoughts will be solid. But is there anything you want to touch on that we have overlooked to this point? Maybe just at a really high macro level, the visual stylings, you know, say what you will about Ang Lee's The Hulk. But I found the panel transitions in the movie really like it, it was a classy way of kind of subtly reminding or maybe not so subtly reminding you that you're watching a comic book movie okay. uh, with this. I found the sound effects, the words on the screen, like reminiscent callbacks to like the 60s Batman. Yep. Um, some of the transitions. It was just in keeping with what we've said about the choreography, with what Mark said about the comedy. Then you've got just the, the visual of it and just everything from scene transitions to, to sound effects appearing on screen in text. I think just all of it. It's a great movie, like like everybody has said already. Whether you like video games or not, there's something in there for everybody. It's done well. It's surprising when it does hit the freeway, like Wen said earlier. Yeah, I just thank you for having me because this was a kind of a really cool opportunity to A, hang out with friends, B, watch a movie that I love, and C, gush about your background, Nick, there. Because <laughs> outside of Metal Slug, easily the best pixel art I've ever seen. So those are my final thoughts right there is probably the best way to sum it up. Thanks for not punching me in the boob. <laughs> 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 no, I absolutely agree with you. The film is gorgeous. And in terms of the comic book panel approach, one of my favorite shots in this entire film, there's a moment where one of the exes is fighting against Scott and Ramona and the, the glass in the ceiling shatters and starts kind of tumbling down and three large panes of it slow down for the audience. Mm. And you see the profile of Scott mm. and Ramona and her evil ex yeah. really slow for a moment before the glass shatters and the fight continues. I would never even think to do that shot. It's yeah. not a realistic shot, but it is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And it really calls back to again, because as you said, it has that comic book quality to it because this was a comic book that became a, a film. But even when it was a comic book, it had all of these video gamey elements to it. It ties them together really well, and it's usually difficult to adapt comic books or video games into film because they are very different visual storytelling mediums, and I, I feel like this one succeeds quite a bit. I can't think of any particular moments in the film where it fails at it. it it's really impressive. Agreed. When we come back, we're going to see a film that I've seen. I don't know if you guys have seen it. You're all welcome to come back, but two of you have to. <laughs> Hardcore Henry oh, is a video game inspired okay. film because it's a first person shooter through and through. Doom had five minutes of a first person shooter. Hardcore Henry says, screw that. I can do an entire film from that perspective. It is just bonkers. We're going to watch that when we come back. Don't miss it. These guys might. I don't know. It's a hard <laughs> movie to sit through visually. I'm actually excited for it because I, I, it's on my list of things to watch. Excited? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a new word for it. It is. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. It is an absolutely wild film. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it's wild and it has a lot of good to it. I really enjoyed the hell out of it. But we will come back to that 
Thank you again for listening to Press X to Reload. As always, I have been Nick Moore. With me were Wayne Brissett, Mark Athenis, and Chris Nezwick. Gentlemen. Thanks for having us. Yeah, good times. Thank you indeed. Look forward to it. We'll catch you next time. Adios. You've been listening to Press X to Reload. Today's episode featured the voices of Mark Athenis, Wayne Brissett, and Nick Moore, with special guest Chris Nijablik. Our theme music was composed by Jack Fierick and performed and realized by Sam Fierick. If you like what you heard today, subscribe and never miss an episode. Or tell a friend, leave a review. We'll take all the bonus XP we can get. If you have suggestions or feedback, you can contact Nick Moore via his email, retrogamingfool at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next stage.